all hunker in. We're, we're a little small today, aren't we? Um, this weekend, I had the opportunity of attending a wedding, and I love going to weddings, and I always feel like when I'm sitting there, I just get all tingly inside, and I feel like it's a setting where I really, I just love that feeling of love being in the air, don't you? It's just um, kind of the the epitome time of a relationship where there's so much anticipation and dreams and hopes of what they want for their life and of love. And so that was kind of the beginning of my weekend. And it was neat because it was right after preparing for the message for, for today. And as we, as you know, we've been studying first Corinthians and this week we're on chapter 13. And what's interesting is If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, that's what Todd talked on last week, he talks about using our gifts to edify one another, right, and to love one another, and to allow all our gifts to be valued and appreciated as we come together and grow up in the body of Christ. And then in chapter 14, he does the same. He goes into a few more gifts. You'll hear it next week. He talks about certain gifts, powerful gifts that people have, and he wants us to use them with each other for the same reason, to grow up in the body of Christ. But right in the middle of 12 and 14, he inserts this chapter about love, and it's very strong and very challenging, and it's just kind of interesting because it's a disruption, And basically what he's saying is you can have all the gifts in the world. You could have like, you know, a serving gift or a teaching gift or an encouragement gift or a giving gift. And you can do all those things. But if you don't have love, he says, you have nothing. So when we read that, well, we think, well, why would I even do that stuff if I don't have love? Like, what does he mean by this love? What? What does this word love mean that he has to emphasize it so much and really make important and say that if we don't have love, we have nothing? That's the language he uses. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it out loud and, um, and figure out what Paul's talking about. He says, if I, so it's 1 Corinthians 13, uh, chapter, or verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, like know everything, and I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to the poor and feed the poor and even surrender my body, I cannot believe I have my glasses on. I still can't read. Uh, To be burned and do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. And it's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account wrong suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are other gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the part will be done away. When I was a child, I, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child, and I reasoned like a child. Because of this, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, the fa- but, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So we've heard that passage a million times, haven't we? And Paul is saying, he's describing what love means, and he's saying it's essential, and it's the most important thing. So what does he mean when he calls us to love? Um, I think the river is good at loving. And when you think about the story of the river, Todd and I came from very corporate, big churches, very programmatic churches. And when we set out to plant the river with a group of eight, we were going to live into what we had known to be true about churches. We put on a good program, people come, and they learn about Jesus. But as time went by from the very beginning, early days, we saw that that wasn't going to be the DNA of the river, that the DNA of the river was different people loving their community and loving people in their life and Jesus being shown by people's influence in relationships. Over and over again, we just saw that it was through you guys It was through you all, and your Jesus living in you was the greatest demonstration of how Jesus was shown, rather than a program. So when we talk about love today, I'm not saying we have a problem. I'm saying we have an opportunity. I think the River Church, you all in this room, we have an opportunity to love more than we even love now. And in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the Thessalonica church was better at loving than the Corinthian church. I think we're pretty good lovers. But what, Paul, what Thessalonians says in 4.17, let me read it to you. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, actually 9 to 12. He says, can someone read that for me? I just grabbed the wrong glasses, and I'm really struggling here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 12. Can someone read that out loud? You can't?
Thank you, Katrine. So I don't know if you could hear, but what he says is you've learned how to love by God, but I want you to still love more. That's kind of what I feel like the picture is for the river. We've learned a lot. We love people well, but I think God wants us to learn how to love even deeper. So I want to bring Paige Keating up here. She shared at the beach and she did such a great job. Will you come up here, Paige? Thank you. This is Paige, and um, she is a living example of how you have loved so well. Okay, so I got emotional at the beach. We'll see how it goes this time. Um, So back in January, there was a fire at my apartment, and... um, It just was a scary, overwhelming uh, experience. I didn't, I don't know, it was just a lot to take in. Um, And after everything had happened, I went back to my parents' house. And I was sitting in the kitchen, and there was a knock on the door. And it was Kristen Wendorf with um, a little care package that just had an outfit, um, some makeup remover, some gum, just like very simple things that don't seem like a lot. Um, but in that moment, I felt like I had nothing. I, I had stuff. I had my family. I had a place to stay. Um, but it just felt like the biggest gift. And Kristen blessed me more than she knows, um, just in a huge way. Um, And then following that, the River Church was just hugely, hugely blessed me as well. Um, I would come home every day, and there were flowers, cards, gift cards, um, brought me to tears every day, um, and just impacted me so much. And yeah, it was just totally the Lord blessing me in a small way for most people, but just in a big way for me at that time. So... Thank you. Thank you, Paige. I love that. And if you know the person that brought her the first little package, she lost most things she owned in a fire. So basically she knows the pain of losing what you have in a fire. And she showed up, and then the river care team came following that. And that's what I love about the river, that picture that Paige created That's what you guys do, but I think God is asking us for more. So as we look today, um, let me just define what love looks like in 1 Corinthians 13. What's Paul talking about? When he talks about this love in this passage, he's talking about agape love. And agape love is different than the love that's talked about. It's not like you love your mom or you love pizza or you love... You know, you love your friend. Agape love requires action. And that's the kind of love Jesus was teaching about. It requires um, self-sacrifice many times. It it requires movement. Um, we, We use love a lot of times like a feeling. But when the disciples listened to Jesus talk about love, it it did require action. And the way he talked about love as he said we need to love our father right we need to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and we need to love one another so we need to love god and we love one another 
And one of the passages that talks about this, that kind of complements 1 Corinthians is Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's agape love. So he loves us so much that he went on the cross, died for us just the way we are. We have nothing to prove. All our imperfections don't have to have it all together. He died on the cross for all of that. That's agape love. It's not, on, it's not upon condition. It's unconditional. And then in 1 John 4.11, he says, Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the model's God, right? We're to love as God loved us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So we love others as God loved us. It's a direct correlation. How God loved us is how we love others. So that love on our own is not going to happen. But when we look to God as the model of how he loved us, that's where this kind of love Paul's talking about comes from. It's selfless loved. He loved the unlovely. He loved those who couldn't love in return. He loved he saw people, no matter what they were like or who they were, on the outskirts. It was totally radical, unconditional love. You know, this week, um, I just thought of this because I see him sitting in the back row. And, um, well, first I'm going to describe love, and then I'm going to tell you about something I got to witness this week. If you go to the passage and you see how love is described... Let me read it for you again. Love is patient. And I'm going to put Jesus in the fill-ins because this can't describe us. It can't describe me, but it describes Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus does not brag or boast. Jesus is not arrogant. Jesus does not act unbecomingly. Jesus doesn't seek his own way. Jesus is not provoked. Jesus does not take into account a wrong suffered. Jesus does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes in all things. And Jesus endures all things. Being long-suffering or patient means dying to the desire for an untroubled life. You know when we're impatient because something has gotten in our way? Being long-suffering means we've died to that. Having no jealousy means dying to the desire for unshared affection because we want it all for ourselves. Not boasting means dying to the desire to call attention to our successes. We just need to be noticed. Jesus died to that. Not acting unbecomingly means dying to the desire to express our freedom when it's offensive. When we think someone deserves to see our expression. 
but it's offensive, maybe in our words or just our actions, our attitude. Not seeking our own way means dying to the dominance of our own preferences. Dying to that. Like, Jesus died for that right to have our own preferences. Not being easily provoked means dying to the need for no frustrations. We feel justified when we're frustrated, don't we? And Jesus says, I died for that frustration. Not taking account of wrongs means dying to the desire for revenge. When someone wrongs us and we feel like we're justified in revenge. That's what Jesus died for. Bearing all things and enduring all things means dying to the desire to run away from the pain of obedience. When we just don't think it matters to do the right thing. We want to run away. Jesus died for that. So how do we have this kind of love? When we hear the descriptions of what it's dying to, it's challenging, isn't it? I mean, I think I'm a pretty loving person. I feel like God made me pretty thoughtful and intentional and kind of loving. But the way when I was studying this week, I was bawling my head off at the stipulations I attach to love. Because I realize how much I love for my own self. And Jesus is saying, my way of love doesn't get anything in return. I just keep loving you and you don't have to do anything. and You don't have to be anything. I just love you. And it doesn't run out, Denise, when you screw up and when you don't hit the mark. I still love you. And when I thought about Jesus' kind of love, I thought, that's not me at all. I, I want to love with condition. My love is limited. It runs out. I don't have it when I need it. I have it sometimes. I love loving nice people. But I hate it when they hurt me or they talk about me or my husband or my family or they take advantage. It's out. It's out. It runs out. I run out of gas. So how do we do it? How do we love? Paul's saying we could do great things. We could do, have great intentions, great vision. We could be running all over the South Bay telling people about Jesus. But if we don't have love, we have what? Nothing. So what does this look like? So this week I was, at, I was at the Heitzler's house and I went over there to play games and listen to the concert. Okay, I'm really going to lose it. And um, Ed back here showed up and um, he didn't play games. He didn't listen to the concert. Uh, he came in to see Joe. And Joe can't talk. He can't eat. He's, I would say, leaning towards... Um, you don't recognize him if you knew him before. He's very limited in his communication. He doesn't have anything to give right now as in his battle with cancer. And Ed went right to Joe 
and he got him to play, was it chess, Ed? Backgammon, backgammon. And Joe, it's really hard when you go over there because Joe doesn't interact with you and he doesn't have anything to give you. And because he doesn't speak, it's, um, it's just challenging to know what to do. And Ed got him to, to play the game and got him engaged and disregarded us. I mean, I love loving Sandy because Sandy's fun. And Sandy likes to eat. And it's easier. It's easy to be with Sandy. But Joe is incapacitated in a lot of ways. And it was so amazing and beautiful to see how as Ed persevered and endured, he won Joe over to play. And, and he just did that. And then there was another person there who had lost their child. And then Ed went to them and he got them to play a game. And before he came, they didn't want to enter in and they're just rightfully so. We're just so glad they were there. But I saw you, Ed, um, just rely on Jesus and walk in him. And as he did, God used him in a really profound and significant way. And probably not really knowing exactly what to do, but just did it. And what I've learned this week or what God is really showing me is that Paul is talking about the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross and a love that requires bloody hands and a broken body. He's talking about loving each other like Jesus loves. The way we treat people is the greatest report card on our faith. Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, alone in its self-absorbed, self-asserting, self-enhancing prison. But when it dies, it bears much fruit, the fruit of love and all the people that will see Christ in that love. So do you see what Jesus is saying in the parable? As we die to ourselves and our selfish agendas, like I'm not shaming me for going over and playing games and having fun. But what I'm saying is God presents to us all the time opportunities that aren't for ourselves. Maybe people that don't love back. Maybe people that don't respond the way we want. And what he's saying is unless we die to ourself, he can't live. Unless the grain of wheat dies, then Jesus can't live within us. So that grain of wheat is like our self, our self agenda, our self, selfish person. And then secondly, he uses another passage about the new wine. In Matthew 9, 16 and 17, he says, 
when he died on the cross, he died for all our imperfections and our self. So he wants to give us new wine. He wants to give us himself as the model and power and presence of the living God instead of our old self. But, but he says in the parable in Matthew that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. It doesn't work. If you put new wine into old wineskins, they pop. So he says, I want to do something new in you. He says, you die, you let go of the old wine, and I'm going to give you myself in new wine to love and live like Jesus instead of the old. So do you see the difference? It's a completely new life, a completely new power, a completely new different love that doesn't have condition like we described. And Todd, uh, 2 Corinthians, you said? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. So do you see that Jesus died for what was our limitation and what he wants to impart to us that's new. Now, many of us don't get that because I want to I do myself and kind of my loving self I described and then add a little Jesus to that and hopefully that'll work. Well, let me tell you, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me in my marriage when I'm really disappointed. That doesn't work for me when a friend hurts my feelings. That doesn't work for me when... A boss doesn't do something that's justified. That doesn't, right? We all know that feeling. And Jesus is saying, I want to put new wine in you. I want to I bestow upon you, and I did at the cross, a whole nother reservoir of love that has no limits. And I want to see you walk in that, because that's what's true of you now. I, I, just to show a little picture of what, kind of how I do it, I was in Lake Arrowhead last week, and on this bank, I saw this bank of gorgeous sweet peas, and they were different than the sweet peas I've known at home. They were, they, grow, they grew wild, and they covered this whole bank, like, as big as that wall, and there were a couple other neighbors that had a couple, a little bit of them, but not like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta have those sweet peas, they're amazing. So I went back kind of at dusk, and the ones that were down on the road, kind of not on their property, I cut branches like this big of the sweet peas. And I thought, if I get the sweet peas and I throw them on my property, then maybe next year I can have those sweet peas. So I, the next day I went to the nursery and I had to get a couple other things. And I said, listen, you know, you know those sweet peas that I've seen around on neighbors and stuff? Can I buy those seeds to grow those things? And she's like, oh, no, you can't buy those seeds. You have to get them from existing sweet peas, and they propagate themselves or get those seeds. But we don't sell those sweet peas. And I'm like, oh, good, I got the vines. I put them on my property. 
maybe next year after the snow, the sweet peas will grow. And she's like, oh no, you can't get them now. She said, you have to let them totally die completely and then plant them and throw them in the dirt and watch them grow. And I'm like, what do you mean like totally die? And she's like, well, dead, you know, like when they're brown and, you know, just gone. And I said, so what am I going to, like, when is that? When can I get them totally dead? And she said, well, you just have to watch them. And then when you see that they're brown and they're dead, go get them. And then put them on your property. And I thought, isn't that amazing? That's exactly how I try to love and live a lot of times. I want the branch, little of my branch, little bit of Jesus, and hopefully I can love and live like Paul's saying. Love is patient, love is kind. And what I see is that doesn't work. What Paul is saying is myself, my desires, my pride, my conditions, me, 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 has to totally die like the sweet peas so that he can live. I hate that. I hate it. It's painful sometimes. I'm scared. I don't know if I die, like, if it's going to be better. I know it from the scriptures, but I'm afraid to trust. But that's what he says he promises, is that when we die, he lives. So whatever our limitations, whatever barriers we face, whatever we're up against that cannot love, we die to ourselves, and he, he will provide the way to love and live. Do you see the difference? We die, he lives. We leave the old wineskin, he gives us the new wineskin. But it's only because of him, it's only through him that we love that way. It's not us and it's not a little bit of me and a little bit of him. It doesn't work that way. So I want us to just sit for a moment. We're going to have Jasmine lead us in the new wine song. And I just want you to think about where, as I have this week, where you ask Jesus to put love that's an old wineskin or a little bit of you, and where you need, we need to have a new wineskin to let him fill us that's all him. So let's just sing and think about this quietly in ourselves. In the crushing you are making new wine in the soil I now 
Here for for with nothing today. That's our prayer: is that the River Church, as individuals, we would ask God to put new wine in us, that we would be marked by His extravagant love. And it's not something you know. The thing is that we try harder for. That's the thing. I think a lot of us, we just want to try hard. I'm going to be a better Christian, or I'm going to be more loving. I just want to be. But what Jesus is saying is that the longer we sit with him, the more we sit, the greater we stand. The more we receive his love and sit in his presence, he just bestows that upon us, and we, we thrive. It's not our effort. We don't just try harder. It's God in us. It's Christ dying for our imperfections, but living in a new way. That's why he died for us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, He bids him to come and die, to come. Reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to love. C.S. Lewis says, keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever truly be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay but look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else will be thrown in you know there's a woman in our community that um, well I'm just going to say she's sitting right there and God's given her an amazing uh, ability Nancy Keating to create beauty and a lot of times even if she's not there you kind of know if she's been there because the beauty emanates from wherever she's put her hand. Wouldn't it be amazing, River Church, if people in our community and us with each other, every time we turned around, we'd say, oh my gosh, that person... I love me like Jesus. Or someone in our community saying, gosh, there's something in the air. It's not normal. Is that, what is that that I see in you? What about if all over our community and with each other, it just keeps happening? That love of Jesus leaves a mark leaves an imprint and we're stunned and people are stunned by the love that we have. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. You might have this gift, you might have that gift, you might do this, you might do that, 
But the thing that matters the most, the greater things, is love. So that's what I challenge us with today. We want to be about love that is so radical and transformational, not trying harder, but leaning into the way God loves us, that we are able to love each other in our community in a radical, transformational way. So let's pray. God, it is so amazing that you died for all our limitations and imperfections and rose again so that we can live in your ways and not our own. And God, as we know you personally and we believe that you died on the cross for us, we die to what we can't do and we live for your way, Jesus. Abounding love, never ending love, love that is patient and kind and doesn't hold grudges and is not arrogant and prideful, love that is forbearing. God, we can't do this on our own. We came with nothing. But you, through you, God, through your presence, we can love and live differently. And your love does not run out. It's a reservoir that is never ending. So God, teach us. Teach us how to live in that new wine, that new wineskin. God, show us the way Jesus loves through each other by watching our friends love, by witnessing our friends love our community and love each other, God. Just keep showing us, manifesting the greatest love, God. Show us so that we can show each other. We love you and we're so grateful for your love. Amen. stand for our last song and um, during this time we have communion tables set up on the sides so if you would like to take communion today that's the